0: Okay. Hello everyone. Welcome to our monthly webinar with Latinos in Clinical Research. I'm Judy Galindo, one of the co-founders of Latinos in Clinical Research, along with Ashley, one of our other co-founders. And today we're gonna be talking with Axel Narvaez, who uh, has his DNP, which is a doctorate in nursing practice. He's a sub-investigator and rater for clinical research studies at Sun Valley Research Center and a provider at the private clinic, um, which we're connected to Sun Valley Behavioral Medical Center in Imperial County. Axel, thank you for being here. Today we're excited to learn more about you, your education, your background, your experience, um, and everything you're currently doing. Um, so, tell us more about yourself.
1: All right. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Axel. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the and and the one who was speaking first has Dan as the name, and I know and I know she's not Dan. I think probably the same thing. Uh, I- Ashley,
2: I- <laughs> sorry. I'm not going to. Thank you.
1: All right. Um, and so she mentioned Nurses Week, huh? so I, I, I went to the, uh, so we had a health fair uh, at the clinic here at Sun Valley, and then last week, the following week after our health care here, there was a health fair in our local college, Imperial Valley College, and I started off by asking, you know, how many people from the audience were nurses, and nobody raised their hand, so it's kind of, uh, you know, thinking about going the direction of mental health, or even going into research, uh, taking the nursing route really isn't one of the main ways of doing so, right? So how did I get into it? Um, Well, it started off when I was very little and just to make it very brief, right? Uh, As far as background, so I am the son of two Mexicans. They uh, met in Los Angeles, which is where I was made. And, but I've been here in the Imperial County, a rural community, Southern California, right next to Mexicali, um, which is New Mexico, about two hours east of San Diego. I've been here since I was 10 years old, so this is where I consider myself from. And uh, when I was in third grade, this kind of sticks out because that is the age where people started reaching out to me for help, specifically in math, right? And as I got older, I kept helping every year. I remember helping at that math being a subject in which I found myself being good at and they continue to ask me even in, in high school I was part of like math competitions and stuff And why am I saying that because that sort of became a passion to me just sharing knowledge um and ever since then uh even after my high school years um I, I did tutoring and I did tutoring for it about six years I tutored high school kids, I tutored. And then when I got into uh, IBC, Imperial Valley College, I began tutoring for the nursing program there for the pre le- uh, pre entrance ex- exam, which is called the TEAS test. Uh, I did some tutoring there. So a total of about six years, then I became an RN. And um, after I became an RN, I went into the ER. That's where I started. Uh, in a local emergency room. There's only two hospitals here in this county. And so I started off in Broadley, uh, Pine Ridge Memorial Hospital. Uh, that's where I started. I continued at the other ER eventually after a few years, um, but I continued going to school. So then when, after graduating with my associates as an RN at IBC, I then transferred over to SDSU, which is where I got my bachelor's in nursing. Um, When I was doing clinicals as a nursing student, I I just fell in love with the ER, so that's what I went for. Part of it was the adrenaline junkie in me. You know, you get really sick patients and you literally are helping uh, save people's lives. Um, So this was all new, this was all very exciting to me. Um, But then eventually I wanted to do more for my patients. So as an RN, you can only do so much. You do a lot for patients, but in a sense you're um, following orders. Uh, from other, pro- from providers, uh, be they physicians, uh, medical doctors, DOs, NPs, PAs, you name it. So I wanted to do more. I didn't always, um, I guess, agree with treatment plans. And so um, that's what, and, and along the way, I had mentors and I'm very thankful for that. I've been very blessed with awesome mentors. And the one who trained me as an URN in the ER, he was actually working toward his MP uh, at University of San Diego, which is a route I decided to take. And that was a big influence, just having him and having another mentor who was also working in it, who was also a professor at IBC for me. He was also, um, he had also graduated from the University of San Diego. So I decided to take that route. Uh, I decided to skip the master's. So when you think about a nurse practitioner, most over half of nurse practitioners uh, have their master's degree. Only 2% of nurse practitioners have a doctorate degree. I decided to skip the masters. I decided to go from my BSN to BNP, the doctor in nursing practice um, at USD, which I'm happy they had that option. Uh, Full-time, took me three years. Tough times, I also had a little one. I had a baby, the first, my baby was born, He's three now, Um, the first semester that I started. Uh, my doctorate program, so I was also working at the time, and so that was very difficult, but I made it, graduated on time, stuck to the plan, and along the way, again, great mentors. Uh, I got to follow um, different nurse practitioners, different clinics, but I was very uh, fortunate to have followed our first psych MP here in the county, so when you talk about you know, needing services in your county, being in a rural community, uh, needing all kinds of services, but mental health being one of them. Um, she had already been a nurse practitioner. Her name is Amanda Cuellar, and she had already been a nurse practitioner for years, but she decided to do her psych MP. So I got to follow her, we my way into their, that way. She was still seeing her primary care patients, and also as a new psych MP, Uh, she started seeing mental health patients. So I got to see both sides of that, her primary care patients and the way she did it with her mental health patients as a new psych MP. Uh, This opened my eyes really, uh, you know, I I like that. I like, so in the ER, kind of my background is, you know, you you meet a patient, you help them feel better at that point, and then you just, bye-bye. You might see them in the future, you might not, but I like that in the clinic, as I got to follow uh, Amanda, she basically built a relationship with her patients. She got to know them, um, and I, and I wanted to be a part of that. And also, so when it comes to education in nursing, the uh, as far as the ladder in education for nurses, the doctor degree, of course, is is basically at the highest of that ladder, and you could take the PhD route, you could take the DNP route, those are the two main doctorates in nursing. Um, The DNP, the the doctorate in nursing practice is that it's based, it's toward, it's focused on clinical practice versus the PhD, which is uh, focused toward research, uh, specific research. And so conducting research uh, organizing it, kind of carrying out that research, whereas the DNP is focused on um, clinical practice. So using that research that is out there, that evidence, up-to-date information to treat your patients. Um, And so that's the difference in a nutshell. Um, And so for the DNP, so similar to the PhD, where you have to do a dissertation, uh the dnpu also at least at usd they asked for a project and the project is termed ebp uh, which stands for evidence-based project so i got to work on a project um for adolescent depression so teens between the ages of 12 and 17 at a local uh outpatient primary care pediatric clinic um i was allowed to do my project there and so i basically what i did was i was i Looked at the current evidence, did a bunch of research as to what is the best scale to use on um, adolescents to to screen for depression and use that um, to see if it actually worked at the clinic. And I did that and it did actually work, which is another big eye opener for me because so many kids, so many teens that had already been following up regularly, their depression wasn't caught. Um, There wasn't a standard screening process for depression. And so by adding that, a lot of them were, uh, a lot of depressed teens, basically the depression in the teens where it was detected, they were able to get help for it and, and be referred out to the appropriate places for that. Um, here in our county, two, two big players when it comes to mental health is Imperial County Behavioral Health and then we have uh, somebody, uh, Behavioral Medical Center and the research centers. Um, And so um, those were two big influencers for me and why I decided to go into mental health. So close to graduation date, I don't remember, maybe Judy can remind me, but I don't remember if it was before or after my graduation, but we got an email from somebody um, uh, and they were looking for somebody to join the team uh, for both the, the, the behavioral medical centers and the research centers, and I saw that email, I quickly reached out to, to them because, um, uh, uh, of, you know, my eyes had been open. And so I thought that this was an opportunity for me to help uh, in the way that I could in mental health, our community. And I reached out to them, and you we were set up, and fortunately, I, I, I got it. Um, and so I've been here since then. Um, and I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm actually very excited to share that I'm so I have my so I've been I'm a certified FMP family so nurse practitioner with my DNP um, and I'm looking there's a lot of certifications or several when it comes to nurse practitioners and I'm I just applied uh, to uh, UC San Francisco's uh, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners program uh, and I haven't uh, basically we're, we're, I think we're going to hear back next month. Uh, I might get in, I might not, uh, but that is definitely my plan. Whether it's there at another school, I want to become certified as a psychiatric nurse practitioner. That's how much I've been enjoying it so far. Um, and I see myself here in the future. I'm also very excited because there's sort of been a push. So I mentioned the health phase, right? So there's, and it was our first one. So there's sort of a push here in the county. Uh, to, to end the stigma when it comes to mental health. And um, part of that I think is not only well reaching out to the community, doing these health fairs, giving them information about mental health services. Um, in the Hispanic communities, it's like if you're if they hear a, psych, a psychiatrist, psychiatra or a therapist or you know something anything regarding to, to mental health, it's like Los Locos, you know, they, they, I've heard that a lot and I don't know if other providers share my experience, but I really, it's very unfortunate that the, that is a view that a lot of people in the Hispanic population have is, is that you, you got to be crazy to, to get mental health services and that's not the case, right? So reaching out uh, and, and, and letting them know the services that it's people like you and I, we we all go through tough times, and it's health for those tough times, right? Whether it's losing somebody you love and going through depression or feeling some anxiety, and you don't have to be crazy to get mental health services. And and, and so not only is it reaching out to the community, but also training your healthcare professionals. Um, so even within the healthcare profession, there's there's stigma as far as getting mental health care. Um there's, does anybody sort of question or bat an eye when you say you went to your primary care provider? I mean, it's just kind of a normal thing, but but why do people look at getting mental health as something negative, right? So even within the healthcare professionals, it is letting them know like what it's about. So when it comes to hospital, for example, my background, the hospital and the ER especially, if you get a mental, if you get a psychiatric patient, that's kind of the worst of the worst, right? I mean, they're there because they're going through really, really tough times. So they can be suicidal, homicidal, um, you know? And so that's kind of the, I mean, that, that's part of the stigma because when you get psychiatric patients, that's, that's a nurse's experience. That's a doctor's experience at a hospital, anybody who works in a hospital. But then we have the outpatient settings like this one where we, you know, provide services, on an outpatient basis and it's to prevent patients from getting to that point. And so I, we, we actually are gonna partner up here with San Diego State University, which has an extended campus in both brawley basically our county, two campuses here in brawley and one in Calexico. And um, they wanna partner with us and have students rotate through here. So I think that's gonna be very beneficial. Um, they're going to open up. I think a new a new pro- They're going to open up a new program, but I think the program that they're going to open up is in sort of an accelerated program to get their bachelors in nursing. So I think straight from high school. Uh, don't take my word on this, but I, th- I that's my understanding of it. So I believe that for those students, they're going to get to rotate rotate through here to see that side of things, and I'm very excited about that because you're going to get to follow on nurse practitioner. Being me and providing these healthcare services or mental health services, they're going to see how it is on this side, and this I think is going to contribute toward or to ending the stigma. Um, And I, I think, well, I did get set up to teach for them as well. They want me to teach mental health there for that new program, and so I'm also excited about that. So, um, I think I think a bunch of good things coming.
2: That's really, that's really, really great. And you, you've touched on so many important topics. And one is that um, it's really great to hear that you and, and then with Judy and y'all's team that you guys are giving that opportunity to students, because, you know, as you were talking about your education pathway, I think a lot of the, the scenarios are, I mean, me included, because I was actually a pre-PA um, you don't get those opportunities to know that you can go the research route right so um that's really great that you had that opportunity uh, during your schooling and things like that that you got to get exposure and you kind of had uh, were able to end up uh, within research um but you know definitely something that i wanted to touch on was what you're talking about with stigma right because um, i used to work in the er i was a medical transcriptionist and i, wa- I followed the providers and so um, I understand what you were talking about with, you know, the psych patients and the stigma and all those kinds of things. And I was just curious, you know, for you having seen both sides in the ER and outpatient, um, have you kind of seen more or less like where the stigma is coming from? And obviously more specifically within the minority community, because I believe that y'all's area is more predominantly minorities. Um, you see that the stigma is more of the issue of like lack, lack of education or um, just not necessarily trusting, you know, provider uh, contact and moving forward with research and things like that.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I don't think it's lack of education uh, because even among educated individuals, there is a stigma. Like I said, um, and I'm still doing ER part time, so awesome. I've heard a lot of comments like, "Oh, you're working in psychiatry now like like it's a like you know like it's a bad thing, and and, and like I said, it's very very unfortunate. Um, that that means so so this is, these are educated individuals, healthcare professionals, right? So I don't get that from everybody, 100% of the people, but it's it's pretty often. Um, and so if that is among the educated individuals, healthcare professionals, imagine among the, the population that isn't educated uh, uh, or doesn't have any healthcare background.
2: Um, yeah. We uh, actually have a hand raised, uh, Haiti. so sorry if I mispronounced your name. Yeah, No, that's fine. It's Heidi. Um, Actually, I do want to touch on that.
0: I think it's really important that that is one of your focus because I think, um, well, I've seen firsthand in the Latinx community getting, you know, mental services, any type of help is frowned upon. Um, like I've heard stories from my parents where I'm thinking like, oh, gosh, you guys needed some therapy for that. But that's not something that it's either accessible or they're aware that is available um, or is just something like, oh, well, we don't we don't do that. You know, we figure problems out on our own. And, and then people suffer for a very long time and then their kids. So it, it's like a continuous issue that I have firsthand see within like my own family members or friends of friends in our community that that's happening. So it's wonderful to see that that's one of your focuses as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you're right. They do let it go on these mental health problems until it just becomes, it gets to the point where, you know, we need the help. And at that point, it's just kind of undeniable. And they come for help. And, 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 and often I see or I talk to people parents or just patients adult patients and it's like i wish i would have come to me i wish i would have reached out for help to me before it got to that point um and so that's that's also very other so if there is hesitance to just seek out help that has a lot of evidence behind it right so uh, there's been just tons of studies on Medications, there's first-line treatment, second-line treatment, adjunct medication. There's therapy. There's a bunch of options when it comes to mental health. The, the clinical trials, but if if there's already hesitance to get treatment that's already been around for a while and has a whole bunch of evidence behind it, imagine the research side of it. it, it, it they look at it as, a, think about it as a sort of experiment. Um, not understanding the phases that there are in clinical trials and how important safety is um, and how serious it's taken when it comes to uh researching clinical trials that we do at the clinic. Here at the clinic, I think we're working on somewhere between 10 and 14. I don't know, maybe Judy has a number.
0: Yeah, about like 12, 12 trials right now. No
1: yeah. So they're 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 leaning toward mental health, right? It could be depression, Alzheimer's ADHD. Oh shoot! There's quite a few, but um, I, I think education is a big one as far as that. And uh, I wish I could just put up Dr. Ng's lecture during our mental health fair, because he talked about these phases of clinical trials and he did it very, very, very nicely the way, the way he speaks. And, and there's a pre-clinical phase, right? You could think of that part as the experiment, but that's not done on people. And then you have the phase one, on healthy individuals to once that dose is what once a safe dose if it's a safe medication is decided on yes possibly animals um they go on to humans and a small amount on healthy individuals see how they do then that becomes the next phase of phase two on a bigger uh population size that becomes phase three which is even bigger population size after safety is decided also efficacy you know how affected it it is for depression or for whatever you're trying to treat, um, uh, but as Dr. King said, safety being more, most important. Um, any little side effect that we notice after starting the medicine, even if we doubt it's related to the medication, we just have to report it. That's part of the safety. And then it gets to the phase four, which is done on hundreds of people. Uh, you know, uh, would you
2: would you say um, as you know as a provider? Because I know that we we speak to many coordinators and, and site owners and things, but I've always been interested in the provider's perspective because you're the one that's pretty much doing the communication with the patient um, and seeing that you still work at the ER. Um, how would you say uh, the approach is when it comes to teaching your patient and you know, also not just teaching, but kind of ensuring that they grasp and also feel comfortable with what is needed on their end? How would you say it's different between ER as opposed to Research Because I do know that for some reason, like um, some PIs, when they're considering transitioning over or physicians or or, uh, mid-level providers that are considering transitioning over, um, I think there's a lot of concern that it's very, very different. And I know that teaching is a big scope of being a provider in general. Um, So how different is it for you when it comes to research as opposed to just your usual, um, I guess you could say, uh, rotation of the year?
1: Very different. Very different. So um, uh, the ER is the ER. It's really, if you, it's it's there to, the ER is there to help with emergency situations, right? And if it isn't an emergency where you told follow up with your primary follow up with a specialist, if you broke a bone, you follow up with the orthopedic surgeon or wherever it might be, right? But When a lot of the times when mental health symptoms are brought up, anxiety or depression, if it's severe enough, then you might be evaluated by specialists, right? Here in our county, it's superior kind of behavioral health that they they go and evaluate the patient and decide whether they say to go home, follow up with them, or they have to be held there, right? But if it's not to, to that severity, are they gonna address your anxiety? Probably not. Uh, if you're complaining of chest pain, then, hey, let's make sure this person isn't having a heart attack by doing a blood work, an EKG, a chest x-ray, uh, maybe. And then if, if all that is normal, then you're good to go. But are you going to be prescribed something that's considered first line for anxiety? If that was your complaint? No, probably not. You're, you're going to be told to follow up with your primary. So this is what we do here. Those, those people, we can help. Um, and when it comes to research, research is very different because it's very meticulous and you have to follow steps and you have to report these things and you have to make sure it's conducted in, in a certain manner, right? So as a sub investigator for the research department here at Sun Valley, um, Dr. Bernardo Wing is a principal investigator and so he's... Responsible for making sure that we conduct the research appropriately, take the take certain steps, the appropriate steps. Again, patient safety is a big concern. So. Um, we have to keep safety in mind. And I'm so, as a sub investigator, I help him with that. So, if he's not here and a research patient comes in, needs a physical exam, then I can do that physical exam. I can review labs. I can talk to the patient. I can help decide whether they meet inclusion or exclusion criteria. It all just depends. And sometimes it gets very tricky when it comes to criteria. Um, if they have other health problems, it can get even trickier uh, to see if they decide or not. So, we have people that we can collaborate with be that their are providers that they already see, comparing results. Um, we also have for the clinical trials, the clinical trials have a medical monitor. So this is a physician that's, um, that we can reach out to and, and, and they can help us decide whether the patient is a candidate for that study or not. Again, safety being a big thing. And I think just teaching the community about how many, and again, providers have a lot to do with this. Right. If I talk to my patient about a possible study film, I got it, let them know how how how, I, how we take these safety steps so that they're not as concerned. They don't think of themselves as, as guinea pigs in an experiment because we don't even do phase one or phase two trials here. We do phase threes and phase fours. And we talk about how much safety is 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 important and at that, that phase threes and phase fours. I mean the medication at that point is pretty
2: safe awesome well thank you for that yeah it's a uh, it's very important with the teaching and and also just the transitioning understanding you know especially for providers right is uh, because it's very clear that not just is the diversity and inclusion really important in trials to be a patient but in order to sustain that I also think the the next or one of the biggest barriers we also have to meet is having providers, right? And I'm sure Judy can agree with me on this. Um, providers that, you know, come from diverse backgrounds and that patients can meet on one, one-on-one with and feel comfortable with, especially if you're dealing with like language barriers, right? And so, um, I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, uh, in your area, because uh, I know Judy spoke about it a lot that y'all are in a highly diverse population area and uh, region. And I'm assuming that you've know you you've, uh, had multiple patients that have the language barrier that you're constantly you know having to uh, speak Spanish with or many uh, other languages, if y'all have other languages in that area.
1: yes. Yeah, so our population here is about 80, 85% Hispanic Latino population. Um, and we know that in the United States, it's, it's close to 90%, uh, I'm sorry, about close to 20% of the population, I want to say about 19% is Hispanic-Latino, um, but but less than 5% are involved in, in, in clinical trials or in research. Our population here is 85% Hispanic-Latino, so I really, really am interested. And I don't have any numbers uh, to, to, to share with you, but I'm really interested, as far as our research department, I don't know if you can pull those numbers up, Judy, somehow, but how many are, are 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 actually hispanic or latino i mean keep it in yeah, mind. that's
0: actually a good question i haven't done that um in a while i probably have to do it but i would say about 80 percent of those are 70 to 80 percent are um latinos um bilingual or spanish speakers it just depends
1: oh great uh, so, so it's, it's it's sort of a proportionate compared to um the rest of the country but even then, there's 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 very few. I mean, there's so, there's so many studies uh, out there that that we're, that we're working on, and, and and some don't have any people enrolled in them, which is very unfortunate. Um,
2: so yeah, study, I believe we believe uh, here, at LICR and I I know that today we don't have Chris, uh, Monica or Dan. A lot of things going on at the moment, so we kind of had to you know break the team a little bit. Uh, but uh, one of the things we believe is that this is a multi-tier prong approach. You know, I know that with sponsors and really with the hype right now in general is, you know, inclusion and diversity with patients. But really, it's it's there's so many angles that need to be addressed at one point. Right. And, and, and multiple points. And uh, I think it's bringing in new you know, physicians that have diverse backgrounds, uh, getting them more acquainted with research, approaching colleges and universities and introducing this to students that would actually like that alternative route right and and then ultimately you know the patients as well and doing the full rotation view and um, and I guess for those that are on here today if you weren't aware because I do see some new people in today um, so Latinos in clinical research we are also with the clinical research circle right the clinical research cir- circle we have the, uni- uh, the clinical research the clinic, the University of clinical research. And in there, one of our motives is to really bring and provide education to the community, right, as much as we possibly can. And one of our more recent ones is uh, the College for Clinicians, right? So this is for NPs, PAs, doctors that want to come in, that want to get educated on research, right? And it's a quick, like, I think, five week uh, um, session that they go through, and they pretty much get all the information they need. And so um, ultimately, LICR, you know, we're here to provide free content, get connected, you know, with uh, individuals like Axiel, right, that are going through, you know, this, uh, their phases through research and and from beginning of education now into, you know, your actual professionalism as a PhD. Um, and we take these recordings so that, you know, we can go out there and educate um individuals interested in the industry already in the industry, or even potential patients, you know, that are wanting to know more about research. So it definitely also comes down to us as members for those that are here today, and those that, you know, later watch this recording, um, and sharing this information, because it's very, very valuable information for people that, um, you know, don't know much about what's out there. And I apologize as a rant. (laughs) But I don't know if you had any more questions. Um, yeah, actually, I
0: did. Now that you've been exposed to working in research, you know, you're, you're a provider, you've worked at the ER, um, have you run into people who are interested in working in research? Or how would you say we go about getting more people into research that are NPs, PAs, doctors, or various other backgrounds that can work as sub-investigators?
1: So part of it is is like what we're doing with NCSU, partnering up with schools. And if if, if, if if the setting there can take students um, and have students do some hours, I, I, I think I'm, I have high, high hopes for this that students will now consider this as an option for them. And eventually, you know, if they decide to go for higher ed- ed- education, of you know, become nurse practitioners or, or whatever it may be, um, medical students. Um, you know, PA students uh, that they can see this and consider this as an option, and 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 hopefully this sparks interest um, in those students. Uh, but also another part of it is just uh, reaching out to schools and, and letting them know that if you have like 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 you did at the University of San Diego, if you have a position, let them know because a lot of these new grads, um, new providers are definitely looking for jobs, um, and and that's another way. But uh, and at least that's the way they got me here. <laughs> um, those are just some of the ways I can think of at this moment. But I'm sure there's a ton of other ways. Oh, and another thing, I would I was sort of uh, mentioned to to LICR, Uh First of all, I didn't, I didn't really know you were out there until I was asked for the for the interview, right? So, but I think, and I was looking at your page and all the videos, and you do them in Spanish too, and. There's so much education you do. I think it's great. Like consider setting up at the mental health first, you know, even our next mental health care, uh, fair next year, you know, consider being here. That way your information is out there. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's great what you do is great. And again, I was looking at your videos and they're awesome yeah I think
0: (laughs) I think that's something we're trying to do in the community or I'm trying to do more and kind of promote both the clinic research you know I think it was in clinical research so it's it's a lot of work uh, because it's like a grassroots effort you know so it takes reaching out one percent at a time but I think we're doing a lot more this year COVID kind of held us back There was isn't a lot of events in the community but hopefully this year
2: we start reaching more people in our community most definitely especially we have our amazing uh chief networking officer here today christine she was actually there at the uh diversity conference in austin this month uh shout out to you christine um yeah we're we're doing everything we can right now to really just expand ourselves as much as possible um we are actually i think one of the youngest organizations right now that are out there for research especially within the you know diverse community so um we're really doing our best to try to keep up and and just you know move as fast as everybody's also trying to involve us. You know, it's just, it's a learning curve, but we're definitely wanting to do everything we can. And one of the ways that we can do that is through you guys, right? You guys keep sharing our posts, you know, um, telling people to come to our website and subscribe, right? Um, And and going to our LinkedIn and really doing us a a favor and just, again, sharing and commenting so that we can get that algorithm moving and really get our name out there as much as possible because we're only going to be able to do as much So much as we have, you know, eyes and ears and and hands going and sharing that information for us as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important. Like these videos that we're doing is that we're opening, we're highlighting these different positions that exist, right, in research or people with different backgrounds and how they can get into research or the ones that are working in research. Because a lot of people don't know. Um, I think I remember Dan had sent us a message about was it an NPRPA that told them to stop promoting the, the trainings because they can't work in research that they didn't know that they can pretty much do what they do in private practice. Yeah. Um, in research. So I think that's lack of information. They're not aware. Um, so we're trying to share that and at least get more people into clinical research too, that way.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Axel, for, you know, sharing, uh, you know, your path with us and everything that's, you know, going on. And we appreciate your, your you know, g- nice comments about the organization. You know, we really appreciate it and doing our best here. And we really would love to, you know, have you back on sometime. time. Uh, but yeah, again, you know, thank you so much. And uh, just in case, uh, I know we had one question, but if anybody else has any questions, feel free to chime in real quick.
1: Sorry, uh, I don't know if there's any questions, but yeah, thank, thank you again for what you do. Um, it's fair. Sure. Consider flyers, consider flyers because during our <laughs> rental uh, health fair, we, I I got I saw some flyers for a service that was being provided by by UCLA and I, I, I started giving them out to, to patients. So I would do the same if I have flyers for you, even though, you know, if I do get a a patient that is a spanish-speaking patient i I would definitely uh, refer them to to your website to check out the videos because the time we have with the patients is very limited so having something like your page available for them with videos explaining what research is with clinical trials are is very helpful they could it makes my job easier you know when it comes to explaining but gives them time to consider look it up do some research on their own so i think flyers are kind of brochure or something would also help and your merchandise is pretty cool
2: <laughs>
1: thank <you so> much. <laughs> getting a mug or something I was as well.
2: <laughs> thank you so so much oh my gosh thank, thank you. you thank you for having me yeah thank you sure. <laughs> all right G, i don't know if maybe you kind of wanted to kick off just you know a quick update on like the fda guidelines on diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion and you know uh, what exactly you know some updates on that
0: Um, You know, I think we're going to save that for another call, because I know Monika wanted to be part of it, and then I'm not sure who else, so maybe we can, and that's probably going to be a longer discussion, because I think there's so much we want to dive in, and what it means to the industry, to sites, sponsors, Um, so maybe we can set up another
2: time for that. For sure, for sure. Well, then you guys, you heard it here, right? We're going to have another one. Another meeting, we'll be updating you either through the email and as well, you know, our social media. So please, you know, if you haven't already added us, go to our website, latinosinclinicalresearch.com. Um, follow us on the social media so that you can always make sure that you you, you don't miss any of these webinars. Um, this summer, we're going to have a few things uh, definitely, you know, coming down the, the pipeline that are really interesting. So please, you know, do, don't miss out. Um, and also, please, you know, share the content that we have recordings it will go a long way Uh, share any information you have and and you know invite individuals to these webinars so that we can you know meet up network and and you know do great things (laughs) awesome thank you all so much you guys have a great week and till next time thank you bye